Chapter Nine of Zanoni by Edward Bulwer Lytton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirk Ziegler. The nights came where the fatal bark awaited them in port, but that which especially distinguishes the brotherhood is their marvelous knowledge of all the resources of medical art. They work not by charms but simples. Account of the origin and attributes of the true Rosicrucians by J. Von D. At this time it chanced that Viola had the opportunity to return the kindness shown to her by the friendly musician whose house received and sheltered her, when first left an orphan on the world. Old Bernardi had brought up three sons to the same profession as himself, and they had lately left Naples to seek their fortunes in the wealthier cities of northern Europe, where the musical market was less overstocked. There was only left one glad to the household of his aged wife and himself a lively prattling dark-eyed girl of some eight years old the child of his second son whose mother had died giving her birth it so happened that about a month previous to the date on which our story has now entered a paralytic affection had disabled bernardi from the duties of his calling he had always been a social harmless improvident generous fellow living on his gains from day to day as if the day of sickness and old age was never to arrive though he received a small allowance for his past services it ill sufficed for his wants neither was he free from debt poverty stood at his hearth when viola's grateful smile and liberal hand came to chase the grim fiend away but it is not enough to a heart truly kind to send and give more charitable is it to visit and console forget not thy father's friend so almost daily went the bright idol of naples to the house of bernardi suddenly a heavier affliction than either poverty or the palsy befell the old musician his grandchild his little Patricia, fell ill suddenly and dangerously ill for one of those rapid fevers common to the south and viola was summoned from her strange and fearful reveries of love or fancy to the sick-bed of the young sufferer the child was exceedingly fond of viola and the old people thought that her mere presence would bring healing. But when Viola arrived, Beatrice was insensible. Fortunately, there was no performance that evening at San Carlo, and she resolved to stay the night and partake its fearful cares and dangerous vigil. But during the night the child grew worse. The physician shook his powdered head, kept his aromatics at his nostrils, administered his palliatives, and departed. Old Bernardi seated himself by the bedside in stern silence. Here was the last tie that bound him to life. Well, let the anchor break and the battered ship go down. It was an iron resolve, more fearful than sorrow. An old man with one foot in the grave, watching by the couch of a dying child, is one of the most awful spectacles in human calamities. The wife was more active, more bustling, more hopeful, and more tearful viola took heed of all three but towards dawn beatrice's state became so obviously alarming that viola herself began to despair at this time she saw the old woman suddenly rise from before the image of a saint at which she had been kneeling wrap herself up in her cloak and hood and quietly quit the chamber viola stole after her it is cold for thee good mother to brave the air let me go for the physician child I am not going to him. I have heard of one in the city who has been tender to the poor, and who, they say, has cured the sick when physicians failed. 
I will go and say to him, Signor, we are beggars in all else, but yesterday we were rich in love. We are at the close of life, but we lived in our grandchild's childhood. Give us back our wealth, give us back our youth. Let us die, blessing God, that the thing we love survives us. She was gone. Why did thy heart beat, Viola? The infant's sharp cry of pain called her back to the couch. And there still sat the old man, unconscious of his wife's movements, not stirring, his eyes glazing fast as they watched the agonies of that slight frame. By degrees the wail of pain died into a low moan. The convulsions grew feebler, but more frequent. The glow of fever faded into the blue, pale, tinge that settles into the last bloodless marble. The daylight became broader and clearer through the casement. Steps were heard on the stairs. The old woman entered hastily. She rushed to the bed, cast a glance on the patient. "'She lives yet, signor. She lives.' Viola raised her eyes. The child's head was pillowed on her bosom, and she beheld Zanoni. He smiled on her with a tender and soft approval, and took the infant from her arms. Yet even then, as she saw him bending silently over that pale face, a superstitious fear mingled with her hopes. It was by lawful, by holy art that her self-questioning ceased abruptly. His dark eye turned to her, as if he read her soul, and his aspect accused her conscience for its suspicion, for it spoke reproach not unmingled with disdain. "'Be comforted,' he said, gently turning to the old man. The danger is not beyond reach of human skill, and taking from his bosom a small crystal vase, he mingled a few drops with water. No sooner did this medicine moisten the infant's lips, than it seemed to produce an astonishing effect. The color revived rapidly on the lips and cheeks. In a few moments the sufferer slept calmly, and with the regular breathing of painless sleep. And then the old man rose, rigidly, as a corpse might rise, looked down, listened, and creeping gently away, stole it to the corner of the room, and wept and thanked heaven. Now, old Bernardi had been, hitherto, but a cold believer. Sorrow had never before led him aloft from earth. Old as he was, he had never before thought, as old should think of death, that endangered life of the young had wakened up the careless soul of age. Zanoni whispered to the wife, and she drew the old man quietly from the room. Dost thou fear to leave me an hour with thy charge, Viola? Thinkest thou still that this knowledge is of the fiend? Ah, said Viola, humbled yet rejoiced. Forgive me, forgive me, signor. Thou biddest the young live and the old pray. My thoughts shall never wrong thee more. Before the sun rose, Beatrice was out of danger. At noon, Zanoni escaped from the blessings of the aged pair, and as he closed the door of the house, he found Viola awaiting him without. She stood before him timidly, her hands crossed meekly on her bosom, her downcast eyes swimming with tears. Do not let me be the only one to leave you unhappy. And what cure can the herbs and anodynes effect for thee, if thou canst so readily believe ill of those who have aided and yet would serve thee? Thy disease is of the heart, and nay weep not, nurse of the sick and comforter of the sad. I would rather approve than chide thee forgive thee life that ever needs forgiveness has for its first duty to forgive no do not forgive me yet i do not deserve a pardon for even now while i feel how ungrateful i was to believe 
suspect aught injurious and false to my preserver my tears flow from happiness not remorse oh she continued with a simple fervor unconscious in her innocence and her generous emotions of all the secrets she betrayed thou knowest not how bitter it was to believe thee not more good more pure more sacred than all the world and when i saw thee the wealthy the noble coming to take thy palace to minister to the sufferings of the hovel when i heard those blessings of the poor breathed upon thy parting footsteps i felt myself exalted good in thy goodness noble at least in those thoughts that did not wrong thee and thinkest thou viola that in a mere act of science there is so much virtue the commonest leech will tend the sick for his fee the prayers and blessings a less reward than gold and mine then are not worthless will thou accept of mine ah viola exclaimed zanoni with a sudden passion that covered her face with blushes thou only methinks on all the earth hast the power to wound or delight me he checked himself and his face became grave and sad and this he added in an altered tone because if thou wouldst heed my counsels methinks i could guide a guileless heart to a happy fate thy counsels i will obey them all mould me to what thou wilt in thine absence i am as a child that fears every shadow in the dark in thy presence my soul expands and the whole world seems calm with the celestial noonday do not deny to me that presence i am fatherless and ignorant and alone zanoni averted his face and after a moment's silence replied calmly be it so sister i will visit thee again gilding pale streams with heavenly alchemy shakespeare who so happy as viola now a dark load was lifted from her heart her step seemed to tread on air she would have sung for very delight as she went gaily home it is such happiness to the pure to love but oh such more than happiness to believe the worth of the one beloved between them there might be human obstacles wealth rank man's little world but there was no longer that dark gulf which the imagination recoils and dwell on and which separates for ever soul from soul he did not love her in return but did she ask for love did she herself love no or she would never have been at once so humble and so bold how merrily the ocean murmured in her ear how radiant an aspect the commonest passer-by seemed to wear she gained her home she looked upon the tree glancing with fantastic branches in the sun yes brother mine she said laughing in her joy like thee i have struggled to the light she had never hitherto like the more instructed daughters of the north accustomed herself to that delicious confessional the transfusion of thought to writing now suddenly her heart felt an impulse a newborn instinct that bade it commune with itself bade it to disentangle its web of golden fancies made her wish to look upon her inmost self as in glass upsprung from the embrace of love and soul the eros and the sight their beautiful offspring genius she blushed she sighed she trembled as she wrote and from the fresh world that she had built for herself she was awakened to prepare for the glittering stage how dull became the music how dim the scene so exquisite and so bright of old 
stage thou art the fairyland to the vision of the worldly fancy whose music is not heard by men those scenes shift not by mortal hand as the stage to present world art thou to the future and the past in faith i do not love thee with mine eyes shakespeare the next day at noon zanoni visited viola the next day and the next and again next days that seemed to her like a special time set apart from the rest of her life and yet he never spoke to her in the language of flattery and almost of adoration to which she had been accustomed perhaps his very coldness so gentle as it was assisted to this mysterious charm he talked to her much of her past life and she was scarcely surprised to perceive how much of that past seemed known to him he made her speak to him of her father he made her recall some of the airs of pisani's wild music and those airs seemed to charm and lull him into reverie as music was to the musician said he may science be to the wise your father looked abroad in the world all was discord to the fine sympathies that he felt with the harmonies that daily and nightly float to the throne of heaven life with its noisy ambition and its mean passions is so poor and base out of his soul he created the life and the world for which his soul was fitted viola thou art the daughter of that life and wilt be the denizen of that world in his earlier visits he did not speak of glyndon the day soon came on which he renewed the subject and so trustful obedient and entire was the allegiance that viola now owed to his dominion that unwelcome as that subject was she restrained her heart and listened to him in silence at last he said thou hast promised thou wilt obey my counsels and if viola i should ask thee nay adjure to accept the stranger's hand and share his fate should he offer to thee such a lot wouldst thou refuse and then she pressed back the tears that gushed to her eyes and with a strange pleasure in midst of pain the pleasure of one who sacrifices heart itself to the one who commands that heart she answered falteringly if thou canst ordain it why speak on dispose of me as thou wilt zanoni stood in silence for some moments he saw the struggle which the girl thought she concealed so well he made an involuntary movement towards her and pressed her hand to his lips it was the first time he had ever departed even so far from a certain austerity which perhaps made her fear him and her own thoughts the less viola said he his voice trembled the danger that i can avert no more if thou linger still in naples comes hourly nearer and nearer to thee on the third day from this thy fate must be decided i accept thy promise before the last hour of that day come what may i shall see thee again here at thine own house till then farewell end of chapter nine recording by kirk ziegler ogden utah voiceover-solutions.com